Welcome to Pop Culture Federation. Welcome to the Pop Culture Federation Podcast. I'm your host, Mikey. I'm here with Perk FGC again. Perk, welcome back to the show. Hello, Mikey, my friend. <laughs> Had to do a classic. Had to do a classic. That's, that is a classic. What's going on? Uh, no, it's been the last time I we spoke, we were in person. We were. But now, the world is in a pretty pretty odd place. Definitely. That's that's putting it mildly for sure. <laughs> to say the least. But uh so what's been going on? How are you? Uh I'm doing well. Um just I'm here, you know, making content, doing stuff, uh trying to carry on as much as normal as possible. Honestly. There is so I see you're doing a bunch of stuff and we're gonna talk about that. Sure. But this is a big but. Yeah. So when it's me Ron and Matt, I always bring up the FGC. Matt brings up League of Legends, CSGO, uh, Dota 2, and Ron doesn't play games online. So, <laughs> okay. but I've been, been trying to talk about what's been going on in the fighting game community. And so, like, I'm and Smash is not a fighting game, but stuff's going on in that community too. There's a lot. There's a lot happening. Um, we're talking about this stuff starts what beginning of this well i mean it goes back a couple years but it goes back many years um there was about a month or two ago kind of a an opening up of floodgates of kind of i guess some things that people have been sort of sitting on for a while not really feeling like they could talk or, or whatnot and i think seeing one person from another gaming community kind of get get cracked wide open and then like another and then another all of different uh you know gaming communities and stuff i guess they they felt finally like they were able to speak um and i mean i'm i'm in support of that i'm in support of you know saying it as soon as you feel comfortable talking about it. i think it's important and i think it's uh you know something that you know the the more that we do the better it becomes and uh the easier it can be because the last thing you want is good people kind of feeling like they have no power no voice to uh to say anything so i think it was a good thing but um yeah i mean i know that the smash is not a fighting game is a meme but uh they had their own like like explosion of this um kind of alongside the fgc as well as other gaming communities so it's been there's been there has been no lack of uh of topics and things being talked about in the gaming communities the past few months, despite uh, everybody kind of having to play it from home. So, right. So everybody had a, well, first the, the net code situation with playing from home was a problem yeah. in and of itself to the point where they were going to have evil online where the main games were not the main games that we were used to seeing. Correct. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. I guess for those of you who don't know, um, just real quick, Evo is the world's largest fighting game tournament. Hands down, full stop, period, uh, since the year 2000, so for 20 years. Uh, it has just been that thing. I mean, you can you could talk to you from the highest to the lowest, you know, ranked Twitch streamers or content creators. 
good chance that over 90% of them will know what Evo is and they'll at least have watched a game on it at some point. There's a lot of crossover with um, other competitive gaming shows and, and tournaments and stuff, even on being featured on ESPN and a lot of different stuff. So Evo is kind of a big deal. It's, it grew from a grassroots um, auditorium out in the West Coast, uh, eventually was in a large ballroom at, in a Nevada, uh, Las Vegas hotel. Uh, they grew too big for the ballroom. They started renting hangars and you know warehouses and stuff to throw Evo. Um, to where it's now in the past few years, um, Sunday Finals um, is in the Mandalay Bay, which is crazy, uh, crazy, crazy huge arena. So it's been it's seen a lot of growth. Um, so this year, obviously with uh, with COVID, uh, obviously you know you can't have five thousand people in a ballroom. That is kind of kind of the opposite of what you would want in the uh, in the present day. So they they said you know after they made their announcement in January of the games which were mainstays. Uh, there was some drama from Mortal Kombat not being a part of it. As, you know, Mortal Kombat is a very marquee fighting game. Uh, but you, you see Street Fighters, your Tekkens, Soul Calibur, you know, anime fighters, Smash Bros, uh, stuff like that. It's kind of the, the known roster of EVO. Um, so after you know, we saw that, and that was that announcement, and the whole hubbub with it, uh, as we do each year, um, when coronavirus hit, a lot of tournaments that were happening that month and the months after were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to have to not right now because we literally can't. Um, and then you slowly saw more and more, you know, bigger tournaments canceling, you know, your CEOs, your combo breakers, these massive, massive tournaments um, having to either postpone temporarily and ultimately cancel or just straight up cancel. Um, a lot of them did some great online events um, to try to kind of keep the camaraderie and the morale going. Um, but there was one tournament that everybody was kind of sort of the, not quite the canary in the coal mine, because it's certainly not that, uh, but it's sort of the inverse of that, if you will, where it's like, well, we're all just waiting to see if Evo cancels, because that's the, that's the big dog in, in the fighting community. It's, it, it is the Super Bowl. For everything together, dude, I can't even tell you. I mean, you know this, because you, you've hung out with me during uh, Evo weekends and stuff, but uh, I watch every game. I don't care if it is some anime game that was in the bathroom last year at Evo. Like, <laughs> I want to see it. If people are competing in it, if it is a fighting game that people are just stoked to be into, you know, I want to watch it. I want to see what's good. And so we were kind of waiting and kind of waiting and kind of waiting. So May 1st, I believe, is the announcement. Um, we, can, we can check the date on that. But anyway, um, they were like, you know what? It's, it is what it is with coronavirus. We can't do it. Like it just, it's not going to go on. Um, so we're going to do, you know, stay tuned for our Evo online announcement, which everybody was like the meme of like, you know, mind blown or like Evo's going online. Like the memes were flying. People were just like talking about it. It was, it was trending on Twitter, I think for a day. Um, it was a big deal of Evo going online because the whole thing with fighting games, for those who kind of play mostly other games, you can compete you know, online in your Overwatches, your Counter-Strike games, you know, uh, you know, Fortnite, all this other stuff. You can, you know, they play them at LAN, but you also play online. That's kind of the base thing around the modern competitive gaming is that it is online. Um, and that means a good server infrastructure. A good right, you can play on your phone. Exactly, you can play on your phone. But the, the important thing is like server tick rate, which is how fast your device connects and sends the data, you know, 
how good the the connections can be. How many servers do you have? Do you have a mega server? Do you have servers based on region? Do you, you know, kind of contain players based on their region so that they have a better experience? Do you let it go worldwide? Tons and tons and tons. These are these are massive, massive esports industries that go into this whole thing. Um, fighting games have been kind of always there. Um, you know, even from the 90s on. I'm talking about Evo starting in 2000. So they've been there. Um, but the reason that Evo going online is a big deal is because categorically, and without a doubt, without any question, fighting games online have never been good. You could never consider, oh, you know, this fighting game, this, was, this one was good. There are some that are pretty solid, and there are some that are just simply way better than the rest. But there's really never been something where you're like, this is good. These tournaments are going to go good. So Evo going online, kind of a massive deal. So what, the, what did they do? Everybody was speculating. Are they going to play Street Fighter V? There was a, you know, a big controversy over the Street Fighter V netcode, this, that, and the other thing. There was a fan what, fix and all sorts of stuff. I'm going to stop you right there. Sure. Because I still have a hard time fully... I watched videos on it and like they did visuals and kind of like whiteboarded it, how to explain it. What exactly is netcode from a high level point of view for somebody who has no idea about like gaming and how gaming online works? Sure, sure. Um, so the netcode is kind of just a word that everybody kind of chooses to use. Uh, and netcode can mean a, a number of different things, but mostly what it determines is a system inside each game and that system is dedicated to how you connect with other players so whether it be something like how your console or computer connects to a server or what method is chosen to sync um, player versus player um, which is where there is no server involved it's you connecting to another player if you and i were to play street fighter right now we would be match made through like uh, the Capcom Fighters Network server, but they would once once they found us together, they're like, "Hey, Mikey, here's Perk. You guys are in a lobby together. We're leaving. Bye." That's all it really kind of does for for the most basic, basic, basic level of it. If that makes sense, we're just we're, it's just getting us together, and the connection, as far as the game goes, is you to me. So we're connecting to each other, and so what Netcode can do is, if my connection's not so good but I'm playing on maybe ethernet and maybe your house has got really good internet, but you're playing on Wi-Fi. Those are two factors that are going to affect how fast the reaction is by me pressing a button at my house for you to see that button, that arm being swinging on your screen. The net code determines how quickly you can see that. And when you're playing a fighting game, it's of, it's a game of frames basically. There, uh, the fastest startup move in Street Fighter V starts up in three frames. So if a game runs at 60 frames per second, and so in one second, 60 frames play out. You, there's the fastest move in Street Fighter. A lot of characters have moves that start up in three. So think about a game needing to get those three frames when that button is pressed, get it from my arcade stick to my console to my screen to see me go, oh, yep, Ryu threw his fist. And then it's going to take that and then send it to you going, hey, your opponent pressed this button. You have a certain amount of frames to respond to it if you want to punish it, if you want to block it, 
if you want to just throw out a special move of your own that might trade with it based on the math calculations inside the game itself. There is so much that's going on kind of behind the scenes. I know it, it can look very, very, very simple, but it is something that is very, very, very complex. So in a nutshell... back in the day, you were on a cabinet and your opponent's right next to you. Didn't matter. Yeah. So we're, we're both seeing that fist come out at the same exact moment. Um, there's no, no trouble with it at all. So that's why for fighting games online... It's always, there's always been a struggle. And there are two types of netcodes. I'll go into this really, really briefly for um, anybody who wants to, to kind of understand the reason why it's a struggle. Two main types of uh, netcode for fighting games are rollback or uh, delay-based. Delay-based netcode is something that you'll find in a game like Dragon Ball Fighters. You'll see the frame count on screen, and that's how many frames behind are, is the game. So if you have if you're playing Goku and like let's say Goku's standing light attack starts up in five frames, but our connection is running at a four frame delay, that is now a nine frame move. You're gonna press that button, it's gonna feel like a nine frame startup of a move. So you're you're kind of under I, I relate it a lot to if you're playing Tetris against somebody and they send you blocks and it shoots up or you know, it puts blocks on top of yours that you then have to deal with kind of feels like that metaphorical sense uh, okay like you're just underwater for a couple of frames like there's just lag for those frames and the connection is doing that because that's about how fast it can get back and forth a stable connection between you and the opponent so it sets both of you at the same frame delay understanding that like hey with this delay you're kind of evened out for it your moves are going to feel a little bit more sluggish but this is going to be even across the board so that's a game like Dragon Ball Fighters. A game like Street Fighter uses uh, its own type of rollback netcode. And in what that does is the frames, the CPU clocks are synced across both devices instead of putting you on a frame delay. And what the game will do is try to predict, based on the inputs from your controller to your systems, what the next frame is going to look like. So with rollback netcode, you are going to see an overall smoother, faster, more crisp experience, but you might have little gaps where a character will warp backwards or forwards a little bit because the systems have guessed incorrectly and it's now has to kind of re-correct re itself and resync the CPU clocks together in order to give you that accurate experience. So there's trade-offs either way. Neither of these things is perfect, but there's some games that use them better than others. For example, Mortal Kombat 11 uses a form of rollback netcode, and it actually works quite well. Um, Mortal Kombat also calls out players that are on Wi-Fi so that you can decline the match if the ping is too high. Um, a lot of different things like that that you can do to sort of kind of mitigate for your player base what their expectation is and how good the games are going to function on their level. So in a nutshell, that is netcode. So thank you. For, thank you for explaining that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I know it's, it's, it's kind of hard to like put exactly into words and it can be really, really confusing. Um, so there, there's a few videos online I saw of like the one in particular where they like visualized it with pictures. They, and you believe you showed me this too. Once there was, um, you, there's like two different screens, two different like players, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it shows the inputs being, put in and then where you see them on screen and then 
you see the slightest delay on the second screen. Yeah, you do. And, that's, and that could make or break your your match. 100%. I mean, you figure even a game that is kind of as simple as, you know, Mortal Kombat, for example. Mortal Kombat's combos are generally a little bit more lenient than other games. You still have a certain amount of frames. If you're juggling somebody and you see them falling and you're like, ah, they're at the right spot and now I press this button and I can continue my combo. Well, they might actually, in fact, be lower and they might have already fallen to the ground, but the game hasn't caught up yet. So now you've started a new combo, assuming that your muscle memory is going to connect and that that combo is going to continue. And maybe now you're, you've put in those buttons, but in reality, you're unsafe and they're, they've already landed and started blocking. And now you're going to get punished because you threw some, some buttons out and you're going to get hit for it because you're seeing it on the other player's screen. So it's not as good in any capacity as a game like even Fortnite or Counter-Strike or Apex Legends or you know countless other games that have good hit detection and that have servers. Um, if you play Call of Duty Warzone, it tells you the ping. It goes, hey, we're searching for a match for you that has less than 25 ping. Great, that's awesome. That's, really, that's a really good connection, especially for the average player who's just playing at home, grinding it out with buddies. 25 ping is excellent. If it takes too long, it might go, hey, we're broadening the search results or the, the, the search uh, targets for you. You're going to try to get something that's less than 50 ping. Again, awesome. But if you're sitting around for a while, maybe if you're at an on time of day, or maybe you're in a location that's a little bit more remote, you might start seeing, hey, we're going to be searching for, you know, we're going to try to keep it under 125 ping. At that point, your game is going to kind of feel a little bit sluggish. Um, but again, for a game like Call of Duty, it takes an extraneous kind of condition for you to get an, a less than satisfactory match made, match made game. For fighting games, they're almost all unsatisfactory to a certain degree. You know what I mean? So it yeah. it becomes kind of a problem. So when uh, they announced that Evo was going to go online, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't think that they were going to do it. I would not have expected them to do it, but I thought, you know, I, I took some time and made a video about it, and I was like, here's why this is great. Because ultimately, Evo is about the community. We're going through a hard time. Everybody's going through a hard time right now in the country, in the world. Evo has been one of those international events that really brings everybody together. So my thought was, and this is before they announced the games, my thought was they, and I, I called it almost almost exactly, and I got some flack from my, from my prediction too, which was funny. Everybody was saying like, oh, they're going to go with the main games. Like, There's no way that they're not going to take money from Capcom or Namco for this, for this, that, and the other thing. And my thought was, well, I think they can still do their presentation. I think they can still announce their characters and whatnot. Um, but I don't think you want players that normally play a Capcom Pro Tour season uh, offline at LAN. I don't think you want them kind of risking their livelihood against whether or not their opponent, you know, random Joe Schmo that they're going to be match made with through the bracket. You're, you're going to be now reliant on that person's wireless router to, to whether or not you're going to get beat in pools, you know? <laughs> So, like, you know, you can imagine yeah. the, the Twitter fights that would ensue for it, which would be hilarious. But also, like, yeah, like, a lot of these pro players, they make their living under the assumption that there's going to be lands for them to play at and and high-caliber, high-level games for them to take part in. 
So it, it's an interesting thing. So what happened was the roster of your Street Fighter, your Soul Calibur, your Tekken, Smash, whatnot. Those games notably have bad, bad netcode. So my prediction was Mortal Kombat 11 is going to be the dark horse coming out of the gate after having been passed over for EVO 2020, just for the offline event back before we knew about the whole coronavirus thing. I was like, it's going to be led by Mortal Kombat. They're going to bring Killer Instinct off the bench because Killer Instinct is known for having the best netcode of a fighting game, full stop, period, everything. Killer Instinct's at the top dog. So I was like, Mortal Kombat 11 is more relevant because Killer Instinct's a little bit old. They're, they're officially done patching it. The game came out in 2013. It launched the original Xbox One, yada, yada, yada. It went through a whole crazy awesome evolution. Um, but I was like, they're going to bring it off the bench because it's just great. It's fun to play. And now it's on Steam um, as well as Xbox. So you don't, you know, you can find one of those to play it on. And then my thought was possibly Skullgirls. Um, and I was thinking of them as fighting herds. I, I wasn't really super, super confident on it. But uh, sure enough, those ended up being the four games that were going to be played online at Evo. Um, is that the My Little Pony game? That is the My Little Pony game. Um, I did a, did a review on that. That, uh, that game, honestly, like having someone that has no concept of like my little pony culture and stuff because it just wasn't my thing i know there's a lot of people that follow that um i checked it out and i was like all right i'm reviewing this game let's let's see let's give it an honest crack i like being surprised i like when my initial impulse or or feeling about something is wrong because it's fun ultimately you want to enjoy yourself more so uh on playing that game I discovered that it was made really, really well. Um, it actually has a pretty unique take on a fighting game in general. Um, but on, on top of that, it has really, really good lobby system and really, really good netcode. Um, so I was like, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I know Mortal Kombat's got some really good online, better than anything else of the, like the kind of the AAA uh, games. You got Killer Instinct coming off the bench, and then you got Skullgirls, which was I don't know if you remember this back, and I think it was 2013 or 2014 there was a fundraising competition to see which community could raise more money for um, breast cancer. And the winning community got their game at Evo. And the game that won was Smash Brothers. And yes, I remember the that. rest was history. Skullgirls missed it by, I think, 10,000 or something like that. Some, in, I think Skullgirls raised like 70,000. I think Smash raised like 90 or something like that. Maybe it was like 20,000. Um, but it's really close. And for Skullgirls being something like Smash Brothers has a huge following. Skullgirls being that close, it was almost like a Cinderella story that didn't happen. But then you got 2020, you got all this shit going on, and you got a game where we need a game that's going to play really good online. Skullgirls coming out of the dark, straight up, ready to play. People were pretty amped about it. So your online lineup for your general uh, competition was going to be Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct, Skullgirls, and Them's Fighting Herds. Uh, people were pumped. I was in the Evo Discord. I registered for all four games. Uh, I was ready to do it. I was like, I just, I don't care. Like, you know, it'll be a shit show. I haven't even played, you know, any of these games really to the extent that I would feel comfortable competing in them. Um, but I mean, like, ultimately, that's kind of the thing with the fighting community is a lot of people get scared off. And they're like, ah, oh, I'm trash. Like, I wouldn't be. I, it's not going to be worth it. Like, people are going to make fun of me. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Anybody that's like, a, you know slightly above average who's really looking to compete they're gonna 
want to kiss you for being easy for them to beat. Um, and two, like they're down to just, you know, they're, they're down to just play. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that anyone's going to talk shit to you for, for not being good at the game. They're going to be glad that you're bad at the game because they get a free win. Like legitimately, like anyone that's considering going to a fighting game event online or offline in the future, uh, just go. If, If you like fighting games, just go. It's a good experience. It's fun to hang out. It's fun to you know go play through the bracket and everything like that. Um, Other than Smash, I find the once the so the fighting game community uh, Smash aside because their communities well, that community is a little bit different, but the fighting community and the Magic the Gathering community are similar. Whereas once you how do I put this? Once you like you come week after week. You show up, you play, you learn, you're not an ass, and, like, you, you know, try to get involved, and, like, you, you I guess, respect the veterans. I'm using, like, air quotes. Yeah. And um, you you really, like, you know, put effort in and try, then people will welcome you, and it's actually a pretty nice community. 100%. Absolutely. Versus other ones that are more toxic. There is a lot of toxic ones, and honestly, those are generally the ones that you see kind of... There's a lot of keyboard warriors, right? Everybody does it. Every community's got them. Some are more vocal than others. Some are more of a problem than others. Um, Ultimately, those are the people that aren't really, you know, they're not the ones even playing the games, you know? They want to have a fit and just make other people feel bad because they they got their own shit going on. in life and stuff like that so uh don't ever even worry about them but i agree with you to that extent fighting game community is definitely like if you come up and you want to just if you want to just hang out if you're not here to you know be problematic or call somebody out for something like if you're here to just take your licks like you're gonna lose a bunch it's whatever you you could go in the best player can go into a tournament i've there there are pro players that fly out and they go oh and two at evo they're just bodied like it's done it's a wrap you flew out from another country to do that. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it just happens. And that's that's kind of the unscripted drama of live theater. It's the same reason why, you know, we tune in for sporting events. Because it's unscripted theater, essentially. Like, crazy things go on, and you're there to see kind of what happens. Yep. You um, take your loss, yeah. and you move on, and you come back the next week, and just keep coming back. Don't yeah. don't get discouraged don't try don't make up an excuse nope and someone else learning a game faster than you doesn't mean anything it's it, you, everybody learns their own pace everybody's got those plateaus that they go through from a bottom player to a top player it always happens the important thing is are you having fun is it fun to you if you're playing a fighting game with your best friend and the two of you are trash and you go back and forth but you just have the best damn time that's what it's about you're part of the part of the fgc welcome congratulations there's no there's no gates to be capped. There's none of that stuff. Um, it's very, very, very competitive. And if you get good enough to start competing, that's going to happen. You might get some people that are salty. You might get some people that are having a hard time taking a loss. Um, but that's the magic of it. That's the part of it. Um, that works out really well. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what happened with the online stage for Evo. Um, and I'll, I'll let you kind of intro that next part because there was some things that happened after that. Yeah, so what, just to add, because you mentioned Evo is the Super Bowl for the fighting game community, and I would even argue it is up there on, as one of the major events in video gaming. Like, I would put it yeah. 
up there with League of Legends Worlds, the CSG Go ones, Worlds. Um, a lot of people who aren't even into fighting games will tune in to watch it. And it was on ESPN. Yeah. So, but what's important also about Evo, too, and you mentioned this, is a lot of companies use this as like their Comic-Con. Yes. Where they will go, and this is where they do their big reveals. So a lot of new characters get introduced. Uh, new games can get introduced. Uh, patches, uh, costumes, new levels, um, merch, any anything. New events. They will be introduced at Evo, and it usually happens. Yeah. Well, so you usually get some kind of big reveal. There's a, there's the uh, famous um, reaction from Li Joe. Mm-hmm. Where he goes goes crazy when he sees the character, so he loses. You, it. Yeah, so a lot of the, these companies do that, and they do it at Evo because there's a lot larger audience. A lot of people are watching at home, and it just makes sense to do that. So then everything kind of hmm, a lot of people spoke out, and we saw the dark side of the community. So. I think the Smash community, I mean, both were equally, there's no, like, w- putting one against the other. Both were horrible. Yeah. But the Smash community is, there was, I guess, two. Like, the Smash community was going through their own thing, and then the FGC was going through theirs uh, to the point where they canceled Evo, and they, and the Smash community uh, got... Even Nintendo had to step in, and Nintendo, historically speaking, Nintendo, other than the early 90s video game championship series that they did, where you got the Nintendo World Championship cart, there was the um, Super Nintendo, I think, did one, uh, and then they kind of stopped that until maybe like 2015, they did it once, but Nintendo's stance, historically, has been... Our video games are made for fun, for like family, for friends. Mario Party is meant to be a party. Mario Kart is meant to be played amongst friends. And Smash Brothers was meant to be a party game. Don't care what anybody says, the way it was designed was like a a fighting game party game. It was never meant to be a competitive game like Street Fighter or Tekken. Yep, absolutely. Um I think it was genius, but yeah, go ahead. In terms of dollars, Smash was a home run success. Without it doubt. sold a ton of money, every version. It kept the Wii U alive when Smash yeah. 4 was out. And the, it's not, I mean, I'm not like a huge fan, but it's not, it's not a bad game. It's it's good, but it's never it was never meant to be on that competitive pedestal that people put it on. And Nintendo spoke out against this, and they were not happy. And I think so. I think we might have talked about this before, where the when Evo showed Smash, Nintendo yes. tried to stop it. Yes, they did. Um, that fundraising event that I mentioned, I think it was 2013. Um, basically, like the day before Evo, Nintendo was like, um, hey, by the way, you can't stream the game. And everybody was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, 
Evo at the time before streamer, you know, the content creators and streamer, you know, kind of scene really grew to what it is today with your ninjas and, and your Tim Tatmans and, and those folks. Um, the biggest things on Twitch were like Evo and stuff with, you know, a quarter million viewers, you know, at a time and stuff. And, you know, averaging probably 90 to 100,000 per per channel over the weekend. There's Evo like one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven channels that you can watch all the different games and stuff like that. So uh, it's one of those things where there was so much going on with it and streaming it was the biggest part. So you got a, like a day or two before you get a, a cease and desist from Nintendo going, hi, um, we don't really want you to run this tournament <laughs> and you definitely can't stream it, which is something that they could have enacted. So if that had gone on, you would have had them pulling uh, or potentially getting the Evo live channel pulled off the air, which is like there's so much sponsorship, so much you know ad money and so much going through those live broadcasts that's kind of where a lot of your funds and stuff uh come into play so you have you have nintendo basically just wanting it to not exist at all um and then like community outreach and like some pushback and they were finally like all right you could, you could stream it like whatever we don't like it but you can and categorically nintendo just doesn't like smash honestly i i think they make smash because they know how big the property is but I really, they're very conservative over their brands and they're very considerate with what level of violence they want those characters partaking in because they have a very golden reputation uh, amongst parents as like the console for kids. You would be hard pressed to see, you know, even even on our day, even when we were kids, like we pretty much, all of my friends had N64. Like, as we got a little bit older, yep. you started to see PlayStation and Xbox show up. Like, that was during, like, the middle school um, and stuff like that. But, it, it, like, it was Nintendo. It was either a Super Nintendo, a regular old NES, or an N64. Like, those were... Nintendo just has always had this reputation as, like, the console for kids. So they've been very, very, very hesitant um, with the way that they approach Smash. And similarly to the way when Street Fighter 2, when like they figured out that you can kind of cancel the animation of moves in combo, a uh, very similar fundamental was found in Smash Melee, the second iteration of Smash Bros. That's really when you started to see competitions brewing up. Um, people played you know, the original Smash competitively, um, but almost like for fun. It's like, hey, this is Nintendo's fighting game. It is you know diametrically opposed on the spectrum of what a fighting game is. Traditionally, you have two health bars, and you drain your opponent's life until KO. Smash doesn't have health bars. They have damage percentages. So how beat up are you means you're going to fly back further off the stage and just get KO'd. Complete opposite, brilliant in its strategy and its execution. The game feels like you're saying. It feels fun to play. Um, but ultimately, I mean, the thing to look at with it is that despite it being really, really competitive you've got a company that just doesn't really want to put any money into it. I remember last year's Evo Japan tournament, um, the winner of Smash Bros, you couldn't get money for the game like because they were playing in Japan and stuff like that. So the only earnings or the only thing that like Nintendo would contribute was a $50 controller. Like that was the prize. And I remember the, I do remember that. the winner put the controller on the floor in the very polite way that they do in protest of it. Cause that's, that's bullshit straight up. Like 
you've got an organization, you've got arguably the most household of household names. How many parents have called every video game a Nintendo? You know, that, yep. that's a common thing. It's like the Kleenex of, uh, you know, for a tissue. So, so you've got this massive, 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 massive company. And you've got a really unique, interesting type of fighting game that really kind of changed the paradigm because, uh, you know, even to this day, you're playing Street Fighter, you're playing essentially the same game that we're playing in 1991. Um, you know, obviously through tons of iterations, but at its core, it is that. Um, so they came out with this amazing property. Uh, and I'm not a Smash fan, you know, but I just, you look at it and you're like, wow, this, this is cool. Like, whoever thought of this, like, this is cool. Um, so, you know, with, uh, with that, they've always kind of wanted to create space. And with the allegations and stuff that took place, um, and even beyond allegations, just evidence of the horrible stuff that went on in the gaming communities. Um, yeah, Nintendo officially was like, we don't really want any part of this. Um, yep. Yes, they did. Yeah. They... So you had a company who was already against this to begin with. Now all this happens and it's associated with their game, whether directly or indirectly, it's still associated with their game, their brand, their image. I think that Nintendo, well, any support Nintendo was going to throw at them, I think is gone now. It's a hundred percent complete. It's never happening again. This might, realistically, with the damage that's gone on specifically in the Smash community, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last Smash game. I was thinking the same thing. I honestly think Nintendo is going to be extremely hesitant because I'm sure to a certain extent they feel like they were the ones... They made the game. They, you know, Even though they're, they're not, they might somehow feel like they've facilitated this, which is completely what they're against, uh, you know, obviously, as they should be. Um, you know, against it and stuff like that because it's horrible. Um, but I, I think Nintendo's sensitivity on the way that Smash had been, even years going back seven years prior to this, very, very, very cautious, very, very, very hesitant. Uh, and now you have all this stuff coming out. I, I don't see, I don't see Nintendo making another Smash. I, I see it being no. maybe a, a full console generation where we don't get one, and maybe down the road, with you know if. Uh, if they're the community still kind of craving it and striving for it, which I'm assuming they will be. Um, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting thing to see in the future. The, I brought this up to friends before. And I said, Oh, then cause Nintendo has been always been spoke outspoken, how they're not a fan of smash mm-hmm. and what it's become. And they're like, Oh, but they'll do it because it makes money. And I'm I'm countering that with. Where's the, when was the last time they made a Metroid game? Yeah, they're working on one, and I'm desperate for it because I love Metroid. But that's what I'm saying. If you if you like money, then they would have printed Metroid games over and over again. Yeah, I. Why don't we get Zelda games? All the time. We we get we well now we're gonna get Breath of the Wild too, but prior to that we got what you get about one every generation and one kind of like in the transition Mm -hmm. yeah like we got skyward sword and what twilight princess was ported on there but that was also on the 
GameCube or the Wii U? Yes. So Twilight Princess was a launch game for the Wii, and it came out like day and date on the Wii U. Or, or uh, GameCube, sorry. And then the same thing happened with Twilight, with, um, Twilight Princess was the that game, and then Skyward Sword was the Wii-only game that had the motion controls. When the Switch came out, uh, Breath of the Wild launched, same deal, backwards compatible on you know on the, the Wii U and then uh, launch game for the Switch. So they they understand, like they like money and they have games like Animal Crossing, which is still breaking records mm-hmm. and Mario Kart 8, which was on the Wii U and ported onto the Switch and it still sold well on the Switch. Yeah. So Nintendo knows how to make money. They know which of their properties they can bring out from from the dead. Absolutely. The, the Super Metroid 2, Super Metroid 3, whatever they're on for, or uh, Metroid Prime 4, I think it is. And then uh, they can throw one of those out, make all this money, and Super Mario Odyssey 2, okay. Like, you, yes, Smash sold a lot. Yes, Smash made a lot of money. But Nintendo knows what to do with their IPs and they can and they're making new ones because Animal Crossing wasn't an original IP it was it came out on the GameCube yeah so they can always make more absolutely like like completely agree with you if Nintendo oh. wants to make money they can snap their fingers on any of their properties and they can make Mother, money. Mother 3 oh instantly instant classic it would there's be your cool. money yeah 100% Mother 4 here you go yeah like it's, it's here's it, all the money. It would be no problem, no issue. Uh, they could reprint Pokemon on the Switch, Pokemon Blue or Yellow or whatever. Literally, they could just they can print money whenever they feel like it. Um, they're way more interested in the value of their brand, uh, far, 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 far more than they are with with how much money that they can print. Um, so I I would agree with or I would disagree with that uh, juxtaposition where they're just out to make money. For your average game company, 100%. How many Assassin's Creed games do we have? You know, how many Call of Duties do we have? There's there's right. companies that want and know how to print money, and that's fine, and that is part of it. A lot of them are still really, really enjoyable, despite there being a 1,000 of them. doesn't necessarily matter. There's a lot of difference. And then there's companies like Nintendo that don't have to do anything that they do not feel like would be a good representation of their brand. So I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a long time before we see another Smash Bros. game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're going to ride this one out because they already announced um, yeah. the next like season of characters. characters or and I think that's that's it. And they're not going to support any tournaments or competitive gaming. Yeah, yep. agree. Because they would have done it when they tried to do it with Splatoon. And part of like the online chat, and to make that not really competitive, but make it like their online game. Splatoon was really interesting. I played that a little bit. They, uh, I think it was a great idea with a great, great concept and a really fun game. Like playing Splatoon is actually really fun. I don't know if you played it. Um, no, haven't. Super, super, super fun game. Uh, they basically found a way to make a shooter without it being violent, literally at all. Like they cracked the code on it. Like it's. You should check it out. You should check out what Splatoon is. Um, really, really enjoyed it. The problem was you couldn't join up with a friend and go into the matchmaking queues together. Each of you had to grind like 20 levels like solo before you were allowed to join up with friends and match with them to play. So any organized play required a good like 10 to 15 hours of commitment 
first before and you had to play solo with randoms that you couldn't talk to uh to go in and, and try to figure out the game so that's where a lot of people lost interest myself included um, great idea but i was like i don't want to play with randoms like this doing this for 10 hours with people that don't know how to play the objective in a game that's kind of designed to be competitive like i, I just don't want to do this like i can go and play any other competitive game to to kind of get the the fix so yeah you would have i they even marketed it as that with splatoon when the switch announcement video they showed like an esportsy kind of like stage where everybody walked up with their switches and they docked it and they picked up the pro controllers and they started playing so you, you could tell like they they put that in their ad they were kind of thinking about it so do you think moving away from splatoon yeah do you think so we think you and i agree we don't think smash is surviving this mm-hmm. do you think the other side of the fgc will like will evo come back will something like combo breaker take its place and will we still and this is going to lead into my next topic which was the um the update from the fgc roundtable that happened with the developers where they all came together from different companies Mm -hmm. uh what's what's kind of next for the fgc to be honest with you, um, I don't think anything is next. I think the next thing that you'll see excitement for is in the fall or the winter, whenever it is the next um, Street Fighter Five character. Um, and probably the thing after that is going to be when Guilty Gear launches, Guilty Gear Strive, because um, that game is really fun. That game is really close to being a really, really, really good fighting game, even though Guilty Gear is sort of a lesser known one of the franchises, but they've been solid. Um, Arxis Works has been slaying all of their FGC associated releases. Um, they have their hand in a lot of stuff from, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters to, you know, Guilty Gear to um, the crossover games. There's, there's a ton that Arxis does. Almost like an ab- alarming amount of production from Arxis. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I think w- just looking at briefly seeing the way that kind of everything is being handled with coronavirus and the fact that it's we're not going to get back to normal maybe as fast as we want and it's going to take a little bit more time to kind of get that that whole thing handled um i think you're going to not see a lot of fgc events and i honestly think this is kind of i i long considered this era like a second renaissance for the fgc because a lot of games that have been kind of subpar really kind of pulled it out and really started to pull ahead we saw tekken just become a game that was like a niche game become like one of the most entered games and have like the final slot last year at evo even you know outshining street fighter um or not not the last slot the second to last slot because smash got the last last slot um but uh like we saw a lot of just amazing things but i think we're also kind of maybe entering another dark age um and this this conversation probably does segue into the fighting game the the round the round table that we had which we can get into um, but I am afraid that the massive, the massive just rift in the quality of online, not events, because there are streams and organizers that run an insanely beautiful online tournament that you want to be a part of, you want to watch. You've got great casters and color commentators on that. Um, 
they know how to make it exciting because they've been doing it for years. Um, so I have, I, there, there's never a doubt that an online production value could be carried forward in this time. The trouble isn't the production. The trouble is actually playing games because here's an example. Um, if you spectate uh, a game of Street Fighter V, if Daigo and Tokido are playing and you're in, you know, maybe Europe or maybe you're in Japan and you're running the lobby for them and you're spectating the lobby and via spectating, you're streaming that. That's normally what happens with an online tournament. You have the live, you have whatever the live is, you have producers and people being like, hey, you know, you two, you guys are going to be next on the stream. So come into this lobby. We're going to like switch camera over to it and do stuff. And then you have your commentators watching that. And that's the way that that goes. Um, you can get kicked. Spectators can get kicked from the lobby because the connection can't bridge it accurately enough. So it, it you know, kind of gives benefit to the players. But it's kind of a thing that'll happen like maybe once a session or something like that. You're playing for a few hours of the phone. You're like, oh, can't watch you guys. All right, I'm going to go refill my drink while you guys play this one out because I can't watch anyway. Like, that can't happen. And you having an online event with 50,000 or 100,000 people watching. You're, they're going to watch you in the menu screen? Like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, that doesn't work. Um, there is no infrastructure and there is no just way of of actually making the tournaments really take place unless we get the developers all in agreement all in alignment over prioritizing the net play experience over even other features of the game and i'm talking about to the level of we might need to see the budget for the game repurposed and i'm talking about dropping features from the game things that people have complained about like street fighter 5 not launching with a story mode we might have to do away with story mode and really reappropriate those assets the money that those companies are spending on something like enhancing their net play team drastically in order to keep these things going because that for right now even when things go back to normal which they will even when that happens how what percentage of your population is going to come out your are all of your diehards going to come out what if some of them don't feel like it what if them are just like ah you know things are better but it, uh, there's still that little bit of a risk there do i want to go do all this are right. are sponsors even paying attention to this event to put enough of a of a prize pot in there for me to come fly out for it you know what i mean there is yeah, yeah. such a massive ripple effect that not having good online events creates um, because you can't rely on it. You can rely on it for things like, uh, you know, uh, Call of Duty. You can rely on it for Counter-Strike, for all these things. They have good, secure servers in play that have been vetted over years, and they, by and large, work. You may have hiccups here and there, but not enough to make it where it's like, oh, G Fuel's pulling out of the Call of Duty events because they don't have good netcode. That's that you know. That's something that you're you're gonna see happen with fighting game events, if they're still, like, w with with bad netcode like this, it's gonna be hard. And then especially in the wake of the whole thing with Evo, uh, where sponsors don't want any part of that, and rightly so. So I personally, as someone who, where my handle on everything has the letters FGC in it, because of just how much the community has meant to me over the years, I'm very concerned. I am very concerned about it, and I. 
we're not going to wake up one day and everything is going to be fine again, even if everything else in the world is. You know what I mean? It is. Yep. It's going to be something that this this community specifically is is going to take some licks from it. Uh, and I think those those hits that it's going to take can be mitigated by developers that obviously know. Like for for Smash, you're going to get a lot of casual sales. For a fighting game, like you're not ch- by and large, you're not buying Guilty Gear because you just saw you liked the cover and you saw it when you went to Best Buy. Um, that's usually not how that happens. They honestly don't even sell the game sometimes at large big box retailers because it's not worth it for those companies to buy it because the players that are playing it are a very select hardcore few. Uh, and that kind of leads hand in hand with the whole thing of BFGC and why it's been, you know, a widely loved and recognized format and community, but also still been one of the smaller ones and one of the ones that hasn't had that giant bubble explosion like a lot of other esports scenes have. I completely agree with that. I think it's survived this long on it being a niche uh, format and niche culture, and then it grew exponentially, and it became what it is today, but it's still very niche to the average person. But to people who are in it, it's everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what happened, though, at the this developer's roundtable? Did they... I missed it, and I've tried to find stuff online, like YouTube, like recaps. Um, but did they say new games? Did they talk about like the future? Did they talk about just releasing new stuff? Like, why did they all meet together from different companies? So the reason behind that was initially a lot of this was going to be content that was going to be announced at offline evo and then it became more content than with that was going to be announced at online evo then in light of online evo getting canceled there was some talking in the weeks you know during the fallout a lot of companies used that those eyes that were on evo as sort of a free marketing campaign basically um to where they could be like hey guys we're doing you know we're expanding it's going to be season 500 of dragon ball fighters you know that character that was in that car that one time is now going to be dlc everyone is happy like they would it's from from your most obscure dlc releases for games that might not even be huge at the time to the teasing of big uh games like you know new installments that is prime time so to speak, for announcing anything. Uh, it's it's very much analogous to the Super Bowl because there is such a fuss over the Super Bowl's commercials that it, it is basically the same type of thing. It is known, it, it's palpable when companies don't announce anything at Evo. Um, there's threads created on every forum and every site about, they're like, oh, did, did you see this? They're, they, you know, Capcom didn't announce a character big news it literally an article could be written on uh, you know a, a fighting game site because they didn't announce anything like that's the impact that announcing stuff at evo has um so the round table was basically the japanese developers coming together uh from capcom to bandai namco to tecmo koei to snk um you know all of these companies and even subdivisions in the companies 
Okubo was there to represent Soul Calibur, even though uh, Harada was there to represent Tekken. Like they they brought everybody out, and they had a nice little grid of everybody. There was a lot of camaraderie with these with these developers because they meet at Evo and they they hang out in Las Vegas. Uh, It's a big deal. It's a big big event. Um, So they were like, let's do a roundtable. We want to stream it. Uh, They're going to stream it in Japanese. They had. Mike from Bandai Namco there, he's the, I think he's the, the lead on Tekken, uh, and he was Harada's translator for a long, long, long time. Um, so he was there, and then Giuno, which is uh, a translator who lives in Japan, he runs a ton of events, he's fluent in Japanese. Um, so the two of them were basically listening to the feed, and then translating it for our stream, like the, for the US stream, so that we could hear like well, a paraphrase of what was going on, uh, alongside okay. seeing like, you know, announcements for characters, blah, blah, blah. And there was, you know, certain things that they discussed and the the sentiment going into the round table was very, very, very much like people were making bingo cards going, when are they going to talk about the netcode? What's going to be the deal with the netcode? Because ultimately, and there's, there's games I'll talk about a little bit. You will play some silly games as a fighting game, like indie games, if the netcode is good. Like, if the connection feels good, I will play literally anything. It doesn't matter how broken or stupid it is. Fighting games are fun, period. And fighting games online are fun if the netcode's good, period. They don't have to be your favorite game. I don't... My favorite fighting game to play isn't my favorite fighting game to play online. You know? And that's... Yep. that's kind of the the whole discussion is is built around that, and unfortunately, it does keep coming back to that. Um, so when you get to the round table, uh, you've got these developers talking about everything, they're announcing stuff, everybody's feeling it. They kind of start wrapping things up, and we're like, um, are they going to talk about netcode even a little, even at all? Uh, for Tekken, they announced they they said Harada put together a nice funny little little video of uh, of him like working from home and stuff. And he's like, you know, basically everybody's having a bad time. We know that playing Tekken is important and we know that playing Tekken online maybe isn't so good. So they said, we don't really have anything right now, but we are working on some things that will change it. You'll be able to see if your opponent's on Wi-Fi. You'll be able to kind of filter out players of lower quality connection. So you're like, all right. It's maybe not it's a, a start. you know, it's a start, right? It's it's not a netcode overhaul, but it's a start. Um, Guilty Gear, the developers have mentioned they want to use rollback netcode instead of delay-based. Um, and that's something that you see. It, it's kind of, you know, Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct are developed in America. The people that they work with have had a voice to be like, hey, you know, somebody from the Midwest is not going to connect to somebody from Boston and have a really good time. Like, it's just not going to go on, right? We need to get netcode. They focus on it. They learn about it. They review it. They use, you know, better netcode systems. In Japan, there is a tendency where if the software or, like, the tech wasn't developed in Japan, they're kind of hesitant to really use it. Um, Additionally, Japan's infrastructure for the internet is marvelous compared to ours in the United States and, and other countries abroad. And additionally, like Japan isn't humongous. So from the north point to the south point of Japan, the netcode systems that they use work pretty fine. Like it works. It feels good. There's not, there's not a problem. But when you come to the US, 
and you know someone from florida is trying to play somebody from you know pennsylvania you're gonna have a bad time straight up mm, yep i get it um two people in the same state could have a bad time depending it's just because our infrastructure is is sort of lacking in uh in that department um people with dial-up still yeah it, it it's really really crazy um so this is one of those things so yes um I think the FGC potentially could go into kind of like a winter situation because of all this. And I, uh, I won't be happy about it. And I don't think a lot of people will, but it, uh, it might be a product of unless developers can really all step up and be like, listen, we're going to, you know, either put this game out in, a, in an alpha state or a beta state and really try to connect with worldwide members of our community hire some more community developers, producers, whatever. Um, there needs to be an overhaul in the way that fighting games are approached, fundamentally speaking. Um, and that's just because even when things go back to normal with the world, you're going to have less people going to events, and the online events are just going to have a lot more value than they ever would have if this had never happened. You know? No, Yeah, I completely understand. So, yeah, it's a tumultuous time for sure. I, I have a feeling I think you're right. I think with everything going on, with everything that happened, and with just the state of how things are, many companies, retailers are just fighting to stay alive and afloat. Yeah, yeah. That we're going to go back to a point where we were between Third Strike and Street Fighter Four. I think so. Kind of like that doldrums, dark ages that you said. Yeah. It's unfortunate, and then, I mean, you also hear, you also see uh, Ono-san, you know, leaving Capcom. Uh, yes. So yeah, that was going to be my next thing: the Street Fighter Five announcements, and then the shock of of Ono-san. Yeah. Uh, Yashihiro Ono announced. So, why don't you tell us who he is for those who don't know? Because you and I know, and I've met him yes, a bunch of times. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Ono-san is a legend. He worked. For Capcom since the days of the third of Third Strike, he did some of the music uh, composing, I think, and mixing for it, the game. Um, and he just loved Street Fighter forever. After Third Strike, in the, in the end of the '90s, Capcom really wasn't looking to put out more arcade cabinets. Arcade culture was kind of dying out. Um, Street Fighter Third Strike was Third Strike. It was a great, well beloved game, but it was kind of that was just it. You know, they played it at Evo, and and Evo at the time wasn't what it is where we just where we were speaking about where it's, there's announcements and things like that it was just people in a ballroom playing a game that they just love not knowing if there was ever going to be a street fighter 4 um ono was the one that worked at capcom believed in the project asked for permission to put together a task team to go and make it and capcom board did not believe in him so he did it anyway made a demo and then showed it to them going hey look at this street fighter is worth it street fighter has value take a look at this so they believed in him. They gave him some money, and they let him develop, uh, like lead. I think he led development on Street Fighter Four. He is solely responsible for the resurgence of the fighting game community. Um, he is also an absolute character. At the end of every Capcom fighting uh, championship, he would come out, ask everybody in the crowd to do a Shoryuken with him, and you take a photo. Um, you just you see the guy and even though he's got to talk through a translator you you get 
you easily, easily sense the passion from that man um, about Street Fighter. His charisma is uh, at a ten. Like it's unchartable, unchartable. His his charisma and just enjoyment for it. And uh, so the rumors, Street Fighter Five obviously launched with a lot of turbulence, um, and rightly so. It's a game that felt rushed. It's a game that felt like it was designed to be an esport first instead of a fighting game. Um, and even in that sense, as an esport, it kind of still failed because of the eight frame delay that wasn't solved for like an, a whole year, year plus, uh, and a lot of other things about the game's engine. Um, but fans were kind of we're sitting here going, "All right, uh, you know, we made it through with Street Fighter. It's been a couple of years. They said they're going to support it to 2020. There's been rumblings. Maybe we're going to see it. You know, you know, maybe this year. They even said uh, last year at Evo, they were like, you know." This is going to be the last Capcom Pro Tour, or not? Not last year, but last Capcom Pro Tour. This is going to be the last one that takes place just in America. We're going to go overseas for the first time. The 2020 Capcom Cup is going to be held in Paris. Um, there's going to be a whole like thing with it. Um, so people were like, "Okay, they're changing the format. They're breaking it up into two like splits. They're going to also at the end of this one, this is going to be the last one with Street Fighter Five. They're going to use this to introduce the new format." And at the end of this one, we're like, we're totally going to see Street Fighter 6 because everybody's done with Street Fighter 5. Everyone's over it. The people that are playing it, there's people that like it, sure. But most people are playing it because they're like, this is where the money is. This is what we're doing. This is Street Fighter. We support the most recent game. Fast forward to the roundtable, or, or a week after the roundtable, Capcom did their announcement slightly, slightly late. Uh, instead of Street Fighter 6, they announced a whole other year and a whole other season of fighters for street fighter five. Um, followed by the announcement that Ono-san was stepping down from his role at Capcom. Um, I think, I think he's there until September, but uh, there's, there's rumors that the production for street fighter six was kind of benched that because of coronavirus, they couldn't really work on it the way a lot of industries have been affected. Um, so yeah what i read what i read about street fighter 6 was that it received was received very poorly internally and then very poorly externally too with the people that tested it because it was a heavy focus on a um team aspect Mm. and it was completely different with the formula i'm not sure if they meant team as in tag but the way it was explained was you and I, I think don't quote me on this is you have like you and a team so you and another person or you and two other people would pick like Ryu, Ken, Chun-Li and then the other team picks like Bison, Sagat and uh, Vega and like I control Ryu, you control Ken and then Normally, like, you know how in, like, Dragon Ball Fighters or Marvel vs. Capcom, you can, and it's a, a key part of the game, you tag people out, like, you tag your character out, and then you uh-huh. can do, like, combo moves with the characters, with two characters. Um, I know, like, in Dragon Ball Fighters, there's Goku, Gohan, Goten can do the super, the family super, uh-huh. yeah. Kamehameha Wave, and that's, like, a part of the game. For 6, that wasn't going to be the case. And it was going to be... You, if I swapped out Ryu, you had to come in right away and play as Ken. Oof. 
and then you have to do those controls and motions, not me. So yeah. I'm not doing the combos. We have to do like our combos in sync. And apparently that was one of the main drivers for why it wasn't received well. And people were like, Street Fighter's not really a tag game. No. It's, it's not designed to be that way. It wasn't always that way. It's like not our thing. Uh, we had Marvel vs. Capcom for that. So a couple people that I was reading online were speculating. Don't be surprised if next year they announce a Capcom versus Capcom game based on that engine. That, I mean, that concept might be cool, but exactly that as a side game. As as don't don't mess the formula of Street Fighter up with that. Um there is a there is an interesting concept that I've seen in a in an indie fighting game called Fantasy Strike. Um very, very good game, very good netcode. I played this a few years ago when it came out on Alpha. Um when you go to ranked, um, you can't just take one character into ranked. Uh what you do is there's a game mode where you pick three characters, your opponent has to pick three characters. Um, the game randomizes who you're starting with and who they're starting with. And you have to, to win the ranked game, you have to win with all three of your characters. So if you get a win with your first character, they get sidelined, you jump to your next character. And if they get a win, they get sidelined, you jump to your third character. Um, and you keep going until you get a win with all three characters. Let's say you lose your first two matches and then you win with your third match. The game will take one of your characters, randomly roll it back in, and be like, "Okay, you know, now now is your chance to get the win with this character." Um, so it forces you to kind of play some different characters and play more of a, you know, you can't exactly pick counter pick or get that that perfect matchup or or counterplay somebody. Very 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 interesting format because it makes you learn the game a little bit better than somebody who can just be like, "Okay, this character is clearly busted, so I'm going to march my way to the top with this character and this character only." you have to learn other characters. So See that's interesting, but not for Street Fighter Six. Not for Street Fighter Six. I think you just you need to just make it the way that it that it's been. And I think you need to also for, for ranked give us back the option to play ranked fresh when we start with a different character. I might I you know, I got myself up to platinum rank with Guile. Uh and I wanted to learn a different character. Like, you know, like uh Nash. My Nash is not, I cannot play on the platinum level with Nash. But I could play on maybe like the silver level or like the gold level. But the game makes you play casual matches and ranked matches at your player level. So it leads to a lot of people making Smurf accounts and you've got a whole other set of issues. Um, so that's the, But Street Fighter should be just a 1v1 fighting game. There's no reason to bring tag in. Street Fighter Cross Tekken was awesome. But it was a true tag game where it's like you didn't you didn't need two other players with you on a team, you know, right? To go through, yes, it, so. yeah, it was a true tag game. Yeah, it's an, like Marvel vs. Capcom, like Dragon Ball Fighters. It's an interesting concept to rely on your allies to kind of tag in and continue combos with you. Like it would require some communication. Um, and I don't think it's a bad idea, but I, I think it would be a bad idea to try that with an IP that is so established but also with has as much turbulence as Street Fighter to be honest no I agree but like think about it if you buy the game you're at home what if you have no friends yeah you gotta go like, it sounds sad and morbid but like it's true like what if you like I you're you're the only person I know really 
who likes fighting games. Mm-hmm. And you're at a completely different level than me. But my other friends don't really like them. Like they'll they'll play occasionally. Some most women play Smash. Yeah. But like they'll they'll like pick up the controller and play a match or two. But then I beat them and then they don't want to play. So like, what if I don't have any friends? How am I gonna play? Yeah, it's, it's, play online. It's gonna be and then that experience is gonna be great. Um, exactly. So yeah, there's a mode like that in Mortal Kombat, but it's only a PVE mode. So you queue up with people to do like a challenge tower where it's like three of you versus one like beefy health boss character. Um, but you just go until the other person dies and you get randomly assigned like assist things that you can send in, like giving them a shield or something like that or making it wet on the floor. Um, so you can use your like abilities and spam them when they cool down. And then the first person goes until they die. And the second person goes until they die. And the third person goes until they die or complete it. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting That's concept. Fine. But, like, again... That's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It's a mode in a game that is not known about it. They're just like, hey, here's this cool extra mode. Try it. See if you like it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, totally different. Totally different thing. Ono-san definitely will be missed. For I'll sure. definitely miss seeing him at Comic-Con. Uh, I will post, like, some pictures and videos from uh, on Instagram from from him. Yeah, do it. Um he tweeted out if anybody had any pictures of I saw with me. I saw that. And yeah. I was like, I got a few. Uh, everybody does. So I was like, here you go. He is literally what a legend. What an absolute legend. We'll be missed for sure. Yeah, I have two posters he signed looking at him right now. Honestly hope to see him come back maybe maybe in a in a in a smaller fighting game company that doesn't have as high of stakes or pressure. Um, to uh, to kind of go all out would would still love to see him just you know at events and stuff like that. Could see Namco hiring him so he can be reunited with his friend. Oh, they have to get stake together. They ha- they they get stakes together every Evo uh, weekend. I know it's it's, it's adorable. It is. It really is. Man, we miss for sure. So, are you making any new videos? I know. What was the latest one? Latest one was, was me talking. I think hers? it was me talking about. I, I do some stuff for Top Tier, so I did some reviews for them. The most recent video for that was uh, the Them's Fighting Herds review. Once it got announced, I uh, jumped in yep. and did a, a, a video on that. Uh, my last video on my channel was just about my thoughts about Evo going online. Um, so I've got some. I, you know, I do a lot of different content for different things. Um, for fighting games, you're the mod for Mortal Kombat Reddit. I am. I am a mod on the Reddit. Uh, what what a massive community Mortal Kombat is. If you, you don't really think about it, sometimes see much with fighting games. But uh, Mortal Kombat is tremendous. Our our sub has over two hundred thousand members, so it's that's insane. Pretty that's bananas. Pretty bananas. So, but yeah, uh, huge Mortal Kombat fan. My first my first fighting game ever when I was five was uh, Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. Same Mortal Kombat two. Yeah, MK two. Um, just that is like the core for me i don't play mk as much and it's it's probably like my maybe my second favorite to like street fighter uh but love love mortal Kombat. anytime that game's out i collect them just everything um so yeah uh, i'm my heart is always going to be in the fighting community like forever if i stop playing fighting games i'm not changing my my tag it's it's perk fgc <laughs> it is you know because it's other people will you know we know each other by that that's kind of the that you're that committed to to a thing it's like okay i recognize that fgc in the tag i got you um this is a good uh transition 
by the way, because <laughs> we talked about the FGC part of your tag. Now the perk part? The perk part, yeah. Um, so perk is short for uh, percolator. That's where it kind of came from, the obsession with Destiny. And uh, for those not familiar with that game, it is a looter shooter. So you get lots of guns and gear as you're playing through the game, and it kind of is a first-person shooter with RPG elements. Um, and the guns roll randomly, so no two guns will be the same. So their perks and everything kind of make them what they are. And uh, Percolator was just uh, kind of a play on words off of the coffee maker Percolator because I do love some coffee. And uh, yeah, so that was the name. It's just kind of shortened to Perk FGC just so that we can keep it kind of consistent everywhere. In Destiny 1, every time I would play and I would get something, he'd be like, what's the role? What's the role? I want to know. I, I want to tell you, tell you if it's good or not. Tell if it's, it's worth, uh, you know, if it's worth keeping. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what any of this means. And you're like, uh, yeah, this is good. Yeah, I, I mean, like, okay, it, cool. it would change so much. You play it enough, you really kind of, you know, get to notice those nuances and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. But that is the origin of the name. Um, but for, for fighting games, to tie it off, the next video that I'm thinking of making is honestly just FGC 2020. Um gonna make oh that's a good one maybe just make a big old video talking about everything that's kind of gone on this year because there's a lot and i almost feel like you know with the amount of content and the stuff that i'm working on i don't have the time right right now to make videos kind of like every time something happens um but also i was thinking about that it might be good to sort of just take some time and, and do a big kind of reflective episode on this year and what what's happened in the fighting community um because of that would be really so, good so, yeah i would definitely like to watch that cool cool so that's that's what i'm thinking of for fighting content so you've been doing a lot of work and i've seen so long time ago i don't even know the year destiny one came out yes 2014 remember it was everybody was excited it's gonna be like oh it's the next halo it's mm-hmm. the better halo it's common, uh-huh. and the the poster was the the watcher, the yeah the watcher uh, over part of Earth, part of Russia. The traveler and traveler. Sorry, why yes. is it the watcher? Close the traveler. <laughs> the traveler over Earth, part of Russia. I got that part right. Yes. And the um, we you had a clan. You started a clan. I went through different names. Yes, and. Eventually, I was in it in the beginning. I get a, I get a. If they ever make patches, I'll, uh, I get one of those. Yeah, we have the retro sticker. We got each one of those. So, um, but you, I see now every Thursday at seven p.m. Eastern, eight p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Eastern. Yes, sir. Seven p.m. Eastern on Twitch TV. Have a podcast. Yeah. And the podcast goes on YouTube. And it's the caffeines, 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 caffeines. caffeines. play on caffeine and fiend, like a little, little demon devil, whatever you want to call it. The Yu-Gi-Oh card monster. You guys, uh, was it um, fiend? What was it? Uh, Necrofiend. Necrofiend, something like that. Uh, there's a lot of just general fiend. You could be, you could be a fiend. Like, oh, that guy's a fiend. Like, he's really. If you like the misfits, something. you're a fiend. There you go. Um. So yeah, Caffeines, uh, that is our Destiny group. We got a podcast. Uh, we've been, 
honestly, our our chats while playing Destiny were, were basically podcasts for the past couple of years. And we always kind of intended to uh, to do to do a podcast. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, coronavirus, everybody's at home, you know, going a little stir crazy. Uh, so we decided, you know what, this is the year, this is the year to either flush everything out of the system or to start an endeavor that you've been meaning to, but you never really had the time to do. Um, so we kind of met up and we're like, Hey, I think we're going to take this to the next level. We've been caffeines, you know, as a, as a group for years, um, ranked in like the top 10% for like raids and, and different other challenges in destiny. Um, so we just decided like, let's do a podcast, you know, why not? You know, we'll, we'll record our conversations of us just shooting the shit. And, uh, so we be, did a podcast and they were like, all right, you know, there's a bunch of us that liked streaming, but we didn't really have the time in our personal lives to stream every night or do what was considered, you know, needed to really get a stream kind of up off the ground, myself included. Um, but we're like, you know, we could stream once a one, one night a week if we all rotate and we got the podcast on Thursday um, and stuff like that. So we just kind of, it just built some momentum and we got it going. And uh, that's been the thing that I've been working quite a bit on. Um, so the podcast, the streams, there's going to be some YouTube, some exclusive YouTube content. Um, you know, you can catch the audio only version. We're on Spotify and wherever else you find your, your podcasts, um, stuff like that. So yeah, but the caffeines has been a thing. Uh, we're also, we just opened up, um, we have a sub clan now called the caffeines crew. Uh, we wanted to, there's a lot of players that play destiny, but play it solo because they, they don't have any friends that play it, um, or, you know, are available at a different time than everybody else that they would normally play with. Or maybe they just, their friends just don't know what the hell to do for a game. And they, they go, ah, I really want to do this raid or this really difficult thing, but I, I, my friends are way too casual and I kind of wanted to do it, but I don't think, you know, us together with the time that we've got are going to get it done. You know, we're here for that. Come hang out. We're down to teach the right way to do stuff. Um, and if you just want to be part of a community, that's just chill. Um, we got that going as well. So it's kind of a multi, multifaceted thing, I guess to say going on, but it's been a lot of fun. I think the, the, podcast definitely the video looks awesome the production value thanks is top notch i like the fiend character the mascot yeah he's uh we had that we commissioned that a while ago we're uh you're gonna see some rebrands and stuff we actually just uh commissioned our first set of emotes for the channel i was gonna Uh, say yeah i was in the i was in the stream the other day and they have that thing where i guess you use the the points whatever to unlock the emotes Yeah. yeah 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 and when you streamed as Perk FGC, you had an emote of yourself drinking coffee. I did. I was like, oh, I bet that's in there. Perk and I looked, sip. and I was disappointed it wasn't there. Perk Sip wasn't in there. We got to get some emotes going. So we actually, uh, we, we had a little board meeting last night and uh, kind of sorted out um, what our stuff's going to be. So I'm really, really excited about that. So, but <clears throat> that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to show off the emotes. I'm really, I got, I kind of got a picture of him in my head. I'm, I'm excited to get back uh, our first sketches from, uh, from our artist to see what's going on with him. It's definitely really cool. It's definitely a fun stream. Check it out. Uh, and then you can always check out the replays on YouTube. And if you, like, I haven't really played Destiny, like, in the thick of it since Taken King. Okay. Uh, play two a little bit. Still stuck on the 
Titan level in the story mode yeah. of Destiny yeah. 2. So that's how you can tell how much I've played that. <laughs> but I definitely learned a lot while watching it. And like I'm familiar with it. I'm not like a it's not like me watching League of Legends where I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely know a little bit of what you guys are talking about, but I do learn a lot uh from watching it. So if you like Destiny, definitely check it out. I think it's very good, very well done, very well produced. Thanks. Uh and it's entertaining. And the streams are good too. So a uh, special shout out to uh Space Moose. Moose has got it. Moose has got it. Definitely. Because yeah. They were rocking a bow. I was like, that's a really cool bow. I didn't know they had bows in Destiny like that. And gave me the whole rundown. What the bow was, how it works, uh, a little bit of like the lore behind it. So very appreciative of that. Hell yeah. She uh, she did a stream where she was playing PvP with no heads-up display. Like no reticle, no ammo, no knowing if you have your super or not. Uh, She was like, all right, let's just see if we can do this. Playing it with yeah, no HUD and it. going positive KD wise for each round. She was rocking. She was just like, yeah. "Oh, this is like the arrow, and you just shoot it at the enemies, and then it bursts into three, but you can't really see it." Oh, hold on, Trinity wait. Gold. My my clan members are uh, doing their thing, and I'm just gonna do this and just show you how this looks. And I was like, "That's really awesome," and I really appreciate you showing me that because I had no idea that was a thing. So yeah, yeah, definitely check it out if you want to watch some good Destiny content. Sure. Are we getting a Destiny 3? I don't think so. Uh, they announced over about a month or two ago that there is going to be three full years of large expansions every fall for the next three years um, for Destiny 2. Uh, I think at a certain point we're just going to see Destiny 2. We're going to see them drop the two and just go back to just calling it Destiny. And they're going to keep uh, one just continuous game. That'll get updates over time. Is it... Um... Is this fall going to get one with everything going so on? This fall is getting um, Beyond Light. They pushed it back. It was supposed to come out in September. It's coming out in November now. Um, so Beyond Light is going to be the thing. They're adding the new subclass for the first time since Taken King. We're getting the stasis uh, subclasses. Actually, we're going to be wielding the darkness instead of the light. So kind of really excited to check that out and see what stasis is all about. Um, so we'll be get Beyond Light this fall. Next fall, we get... Um, an expansion, I believe it's called the Witch Queen. Uh, it's built around Savathun and one of the uh, the other Hive Gods. Uh, and then the year after that, we are getting Lightfall, which sounds ominous. Sounds like we're going to be leaving the light altogether, which is kind of the basis of how your power and everything works in Destiny. So excited to see that content. Glad to know that the next three years, or you know, the next two, I guess, after this this year, are, are going to be full of uh of destiny content at least so 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 i do have a question though yeah let's say somebody who's never played before yeah or somebody like me who has only played part of two mm-hmm. like the base two mm-hmm. and if they're not going to make a three because like even with a fighting game or any game when the new game comes out it's a fresh start everybody can like yeah you you could be good at the game you could be good at fighting games but it's a fresh start to learn the new game mm-hmm. So, without a Destiny 3, isn't it a big disadvantage for new players to jump in? So, there is, with every expansion, they always add, like, a quest or, like, a catch-up mechanic that can kind of get you to, like, a lower base level, but somewhere relevant 
Um, or you can just run through all of the old content. Um, with Destiny 2, they've announced they're going to be retiring kind of a lot of content, putting it into like a Destiny vault, they're calling it. So we're going to see things like the Vault of Glass come out and be brought back in, in the spring because of that. Um, it kind of gives them some flexibility with the content and things like that. Um, so I think they, they've also spoken to going for a better new player experience because I've had a few friends join the game and they're like, this game is really cool. I see why you play it all the time, but I have no idea what the hell I'm doing or where I'm going. <laughs> That's generally the statement where I'm like, yeah, all right, you know, you got 45 minutes. Let me jump and chat with you and kind of show you around and everything like that. Um, and Destiny's community has always been fantastic for those reasons. Uh, but it is also really, really, really difficult to approach it. So they, they know that and they are working on a, uh, a strategy for, uh, for new players to kind of get into it do all that okay that's good because there's times where i see it and i'm like kind of want to play and like some of my comic-con buddies play it's daunting and and you play and it's like exactly like even i'm looking at the stream and i'm like there's so many more like moose had up the menu and i'm like okay i recognize that that's where you have your character you can change your your helmet you can change your 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 arms you can change your like your uh, torso your boots yeah and you can put the purple or you can put the the like the legendary the exotic the uh i know it's i know them by colors like the purple the yellow the blue the green and but then i saw all the other stuff i was like that wasn't there before so there's a bunch of new stuff in like the start menu Yes. And I know that they put the quests there that you're doing. So a lot of it is a little overwhelming. So I was just wondering if what they were going to do for new players or people like me who played one, played one a lot, and then come to back to two. Yeah, they're, they are working on completely restructuring. The, it's called New Light. If you're playing the free-to-play version of Destiny, it's called Destiny New Light. Um, they are in the process of kind of overhauling that entire thing as itself. So definitely nothing to worry about for that. I think for you, you might want to finish the red, the red, the red, uh, the red war campaign that you were playing a little bit when you started playing D two, just to get it through, just to you know see it to a conclusion, and then kind of jump in at the next uh, expansion, whatever comes out. Yeah, I get those trophies. You got to do it, and they're cross. Get the achievements. They're cross achievements. You know, you can get an Xbox. Actually, if you get a, I know you were talking to me about maybe switching to Xbox. I don't know if that's a spoiler for uh, your lore, but uh, if you get an Quite Xbox, possibly. all the expansions for Destiny Two are free if you have Game Pass. Ooh, they give you everything. You literally don't have to buy Destiny. You just have Game Pass and get a ton of other games to play, as well as being able to jump into Destiny at any time at any expansion. You don't have to buy anything. You'll just have it all. And you get achievements? Uh-huh. Sold. <laughs> it's an easy sell, really. There's nothing, there's nothing more satisfying than playing playing a game and having the achievement thing pop up, <laughs> and then you get the little sound effect. You get recognized for your efforts. Yeah, I, honestly, and that's like ah, that's a big thing is respecting your time and your investment in the game. It, a trophy's not as satisfying. They're not as an achievement. They're not. I I, played, I mained PlayStation Four for quite a quite a bit of time, and they're they're, they're not the same. That's the one thing Nintendo's missing is achievement. I don't know why they don't. I don't know why they don't. 
so before we close out and do the lightning round, um, just wanted to shoot the breeze a bit, but there's one thing in particular. Yeah. You watched and you got you sent it to me and I watched it. The documentary about the mythical arcade game Polybius. Polybius, yeah. It was a weird one. I will tweet out the link to that YouTube video. It's basically about an hour long. And it's this guy and he goes through the myth of this game Polybius. So the myth goes back in nineteen eighty one in Oregon. I think a suburb of Portland or something like that. Somewhere. There was... Now, this is where it gets, like, fuzzy. There was either one arcade or several arcades that had this game called Polybius. And what happened was when people would play it, sometimes people would just, like, drop dead. It would cause seizures. It would make people, like, do things. And... Just as mysteriously as the game appeared, it disappeared as just as quickly. And some people think that it is a, or it was like a government experiment, that it was meant to like figure out how to mind control, that the whole myth that video games are some kind of mind control mechanism to like brainwash people not didn't result from like this Polybius myth, but that helped fuel the myth. Mm -hmm. And what the documentary does is it goes through and I'm not going to spoil it and trying to figure out the origins of the myth and what happened and whether it is true or not true and who is the brainchild behind it. It's very good. Very well done. Like the guy did a lot of research. Oh yeah. On it. Oh hell yeah. Um, very, very interesting. There was one thing, though, that he didn't cover, and it's not really a spoiler, and it's, there was a photo, or there is a photo, of an arcade in the 80s, and it has a Polybius machine. I don't know, and I think that photo was in a newspaper, it was in something. I don't know if that photo is real. After watching this, I don't know if it's a real picture, but I thought that that was the only evidence that anybody had that the game existed. Was that photo? Yeah, I think they... I, I don't know what the debunking of the photo eventually got to. I know that the overall um, hypothesis is that it was inconclusive because it very much looks like a converted Namco cabinet. Um. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's it kind of weird. I, that's one of those things where, you know, you you almost expect to see someone you know create a cabinet and just put it in the background of a of a movie that's referencing that era or something like that. Just just as like a little Easter egg for uh, for people that know kind of like the pop culture uh, lore about it. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't really know. I really don't know what's up with that. Um, interesting one for sure there's a lot of videos on Polybius so I, I was I sent you the one that I was watching it was kind of just like the first one uh, I have all intentions of jumping in because just because someone does research and finds X Y and Z doesn't mean you know there's not another configuration or not another set of things or, or, or just ideals in general that have been glossed over or missed or dismissed as to something uh, you know not relevant to it 
Right. No, exactly. I completely agree. And I think that's the approach everybody should take with everything is don't just believe the first source, even if it looks uh, well researched and thought out that it is like the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even Angry Video Game Nerd did a episode on it. So it did it like got touched in that regard, like in that yeah. Like he touched on it, and he's a pretty big deal, at least in the retro community. And um, like you said, it was in different things in pop culture. Like it was in The Simpsons. Uh, Simpsons. It was in there was another comic book. I think a Batman comic, where it was seen in the background, where it was seen in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, definitely, if you find the other documentaries, let me know. I'll tweet them out for sure. Because uh, I do want to watch them too. And uh, but that photo, if the photo is the one that bothers me because. It looks like that grainy type photo that you would have got on a camera. And it wasn't even just taking a picture of that machine. It was taking a picture like of the arcade, like of somebody like in the arcade, yeah. like I guess maybe a parent or like a friend. And Polybius was in the background. Yeah. So to have doctored it, you, yeah, obviously, yeah, you could have. But it was, I don't know, it would just be kind of weird. Like it was just somebody's picture and it just happened to have catched that moment where Polybius was there. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird, weird, weird thing. Um, I almost kind of... It's hard now that there's a lot of people that like, tried to create create their own ROM of it just to kind of play into the, the lore and the community of it. But, uh, yeah, because it kind of makes it hard to decipher between like things that are real and things that aren't. But, um, yeah, it, it, the photo is hard. You could have doctored those photos from back then, though. It's a little bit easier just because there's not as much... Um, not as much of a way, but I mean, by the same token, where you know, where did that original photo go for? Was it in a magazine? Like, because it wasn't really easy to Photoshop stuff back in the day because the software wasn't available. Um, so it'd be interesting, very interesting. I love lore bits like that of of stuff, especially with like weird arcade games. That was like, I was like, oh, internet mystery plus bizarre arcade game. This has got me all over it. Let's go. Exactly. There's a bunch of myths and mysteries in video games and Easter eggs, and there is a YouTube channel that uh, called Odd Header, and they do, um, or he covers uh, uh, glitches and Easter eggs and like hidden things in video games. And I don't th- think he did a Polybius one. He may have, but um, every couple months or so, he'll come up with a, he'll have like a top ten of something. Mm-hmm. And uh, like one of them was uh, there was this random, not excite bike, but like a like a like a dirt bike kind of game, and it had clues in it that actually led to places in the real world, where if you went to those coordinates and like dug a hole, that was there was a box with a key, hmm. and there was different ciphers, and you had to eventually, it said it's in in meet at under the Eiffel Tower, in like twenty one hundred. Oh, wow. With these keys. But nobody's ever found the fifth key. Wow. So people think like they either dug it up and somebody took it or they never put it there. But they're like, well, we're not. nobody's really going to be alive then to put it, to go to the Eiffel Tower on that date. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure somebody will in the future. Uh, I'll send it to you Definitely. when I find Definitely. it. And I'll, and I'll tweet it out, that one. But it's, uh, yeah, no, people actually like, like the internet when they come together can do like great things. But they did oh, yeah. go to these random locations around the world and they they found these boxes in the ground and they the publisher whoever made this game put them there 
That's really cool. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard of that. That sounds dope. To go to that extent was like wild. ARGs, man. They're really fun. It reminds me a lot of like uh, Cicada 3301. As far as yes. that's a really cool one too. Uh, that is still, a very good still unsolved. That uh, they've only solved that the, when they made it to the final like level of like the the Liber Primus, the book that was written in like ancient like Nordic runes. They've only been able to decipher two of like the fifty-eight pages or something like that of the runes. Like it's wild. Like stuff like that's so cool. That's incredible. I I wonder if that's intended to be so difficult, or if the people that were making it are like, oh no, they don't get it. Oh no. Like, you know, I always wonder that. I'm like, oh, did, did they just severely miss the mark? Or like, oh, my God, we made it way too hard. Or was it, or are they like, good, this is hard on purpose. If you're not worthy, you're not worthy kind of thing. It's pretty cool. I love stuff like that. It's dope. Uh, I do too. I just can go down those rabbit holes and just watch them. 100%. Endlessly. 100%. They're so fun. All right. I got some to our tradition fun lightning round questions for you i got five of them all right hit me so let me know when you're ready hit me. let's do it all right number one which character do you want to see in a street fighter game for street fighter 5 let's say that hasn't been announced yet um in my in my heart i want to say abel from street fighter 4 uh he was like an mma grappler type but laura kind of does what he does uh i just miss a lot of like the in-air grabs laura's a little bit more projectile and setup based Abel was a little bit more based on your reactions, which is a, is the type of character that I like to play. So uh, I'll say Abel. All right. Good choice. Number two, which fighting game needs to make a, needs a complete remake and a comeback? Uh, easy one. Virtua Fighter. Um, Absolutely. Virtua Fighter is on, like, for those who haven't played it, it is a three button 3D fighting game made by Sega. Uh, it was literally the game Tekken was made because at Namco, they literally sat the developers down and they said, make us a Virtua Fighter. <laughs> like that was, Virtua Fighter was the first true 3D fighting game. It is endlessly complex. Like you could still even discover things about Virtua Fighter 5. There is just something about Virtua Fighter. It is so damn good. Um, for any of you, if you have a console, I think... I think for PlayStation, it'll run in like the stream mode. I think if you have an Xbox One, you can play the th the Xbox 360 version of it. Um, the last iteration was Street Fighter or Virtua Fighter Five. I think Street Fighter, um, Virtua Fighter Five. I think it's called Final Showdown. It's got to be like five dollars on the marketplace. If you just want a game to get lost in training mode and just enjoy discovering nuances of a really, really, really deep and also beautiful for its time uh fighting game just get any copy of virtual fighter it's great not only that the ai is for like the the one player modes are so fun they literally have a map of japan with other with like the, the notable arcades and you click on an arcade and you go in and you're just playing against the ai of other players like that were really playing that they grabbed the ai data from the, the cab because in back in the day a lot of um, games where instead of just putting you into arcade mode and like being like go for broke until somebody shows up, they had like PVE modes where you would your your play style you would create a login, um, and you, or have like one of those cards and you would play and they, your AI would learn how you play so then it would based on what level it was it would do enough of what you did or you know react in enough time, um, so those those game modes they translated that into the home console release. 
just absolutely wonderful games. And there are three buttons, and they're endlessly complex, more complex than games that have even more buttons. Um, so hands down, full stop, Virtual Fighter. I, I'm, I really want one in general. Not even a wish. Uh, give me that one. Please. <laughs> Please, Sega. Yes, I would like to see a Virtual Fighter 6 myself. Love it. Definitely one of my favorite arcade cabinets games that I've ever played. I on. think that would be an easy one that they could make a shitload of money from doing a free-to-play model. Uh, just make it downloadable and just have everybody because that game is so known for its cost, costumes and customization and stuff like that that you unlock let us either grind our faces off in games to unlock you know those weird little the, the stuffed teddy bear that sits on your shoulder I don't know why but I need it you know what I mean like oh yep. the blue headband oh my god instead of red oh my god I need the blue one I have to show everybody that I'm better than them because I have a blue headband um, little stuff like that I think fighting games are Honestly, as much as everybody hates free-to-play games, I think fighting games benefit the best from it because, you know, your average Joe doesn't really want to spend $60 to play the newest Street Fighter and to play with his buddies, you know, at a barbecue a few times here and there. But if he can download it and he can get Ryu and Ken, and maybe if he's like, yo, Guile is my my main, I'll pay 5 bucks to have Guile, or maybe I'll pay 40 bucks and just get the whole roster, like Killer, Killer Instinct uh, was the pioneer of that. I think that model works exceptionally well for fighting games. I agree. I think it does, too. Number three. Favorite actor for the Destiny Ghost. And if you could pick one person to voice the ghost, who would you pick? Uh, So, favorite of the two, Peter Dinklage. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. Uh, Dinklebot. Dinklebot's the best. He's so much... For as much as as, as, a controversially dry performance that he gave there was something about him like him saying guardian down it's just so memorable to me i don't know so dinklebot 10 out of 10 uh and if somebody other than the two that are current that that have voiced the ghost to pick uh patrick stewart i was thinking patrick stewart or christopher walken christopher so the reason patrick stewart christopher walken i wouldn't get anything done I would just be like guardian down you know like i would just i would jump off a cliff just to hear him say it um, and just be funny like with it like there's no way that I could take it seriously um, so Christopher Walken you want to reserve that charm for when you see him on screen or, or him doing his thing uh, Patrick Stewart is just I mean he was Uriel Septim in uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion he's in like a thousand and one things and he's just like I don't know like if there was DLC where I could pay 20 bucks and have Patrick Stewart as my ghost you better believe it I'm in day one or J- James Spader Oh, James Spader would be great because he's Ultron. Yes, he I just watched 100%. the entirety of The Office, and he's in The Office. He is okay. So, can we talk about this for a brief second? Now that you've gotten to Robert California, how do you feel? Uh, I'm the motherfucking listener, <laughs> dude. His performance on that is the most outrageous like thing ever. Uh, it, it's it is my favorite. I could go on forever about Robert California. I didn't know that that was James Spader, and then when I'm watching it, I'm like, why does he sound like <laughs> Ultron? And then I look it up. I'm like, oh, because that is that Ultron. is him. He is so distinct and just so incredible. Crazy, crazy performance. Literally, that is an art piece. Um, the first episode that he was in, I was like. All right, I kind of hope he's not the manager. And then when he came in and he was on more and more, I'm like, actually, this guy's great. Mm-hmm. 
oh, dude, that performance as Robert California in the office. I think it's like season five, unparalleled, insane. Definitely, it was fantastic. The Lizard King is awesome. Uh, so I would also go with James Spader as the ghost. Absolutely, absolutely. So number four, if you had to recommend a fighting game for someone who hasn't played one before or isn't familiar with them, which one would you recommend and why? Uh, I guess out of what's current. The game that I actually just mentioned, Fantasy Strike, it is free to play. Um, you can play it on the Switch. You can play it on the PlayStation. You can play it on the on Steam, on the PC. Uh, same account, same friend list, uh, everything. It's, the game is free. It is a really, 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 it boils down the fundamentals of a fighting game. There's not that many gimmicks. There's no random, oh, I have my revenge. Now I can do like a one button comeback mechanic. Like, no, this feels as close, closer to street fighter two in nature. Um, and instead of having just a health bar that has a percentage, uh, characters have hit bars. So it is a bar at the top of the screen, but it's broken up into chunks. Uh, so if you're a tanky character, you have more chunks. If you're a weaker character, the, the bar is less divided. So it's the same size, but you might not be able to take as many hits. So it's just singular hits. Like if you do a super, it can damage an opponent for multiple hits. Um, but it is a really, really interesting way of breaking down a fighting game, keeping it very familiar looking, uh, making it free and making it cross-platform and giving it good netcode. Uh, highly, highly, highly recommend uh, the five gigs or whatever it costs and the, the couple minutes of your time to check it out to see if you like it. Um, very, very, very good game for fundamentals and for learning. Honestly, it's the game, it's the fighting game that I've played the most just because it's, I haven't had a lot of time and it boils it down so, so, so well and the characters are so ridiculous and like very interesting despite it being a very low budget indie fighting game that uh, it, it's an easy sell to my friends that have, you know, their only fighting game is like Dragon Ball or Smash. Like they download it and play it because you can play it on a Switch. You know, you could do whatever. I, I could yep. be at my PC with an arcade stick. You could be with a Switch, you know, on your back porch, you know, in, in hand, and we could be playing together. Um, so Fantasy Strike, 100%. All right. I'll definitely have to check that you one should. out. should, yeah. I think you'd actually really enjoy it. So last question. Yes. And this is kind of a prelude to a future episode that we're going to do. Okay. What are some pop culture things that your friends like, but you don't? This might be a controversial one in general. Um, I don't like anime. Ooh. I uh, there, There's a lot of people that are in that same boat as you. Uh, I'm not one of them, but there are. I, I'm the only person that I know that doesn't like it. Um, and I love, like, the stylings and, like, the, the art, the design, the culture, the food, um, the the discipline of Japanese culture. I just don't like anime. I could never get into it. I felt that if I'm going to, the better way to do it is to read with subtitles with the original voice actors, which I generally agree with. Um, if I'm going to read it and if it's going to move, if the animation is going to move slowly, I would rather read the manga, which is it's often the source material for the anime. Um, this way I can read it at the pace that I want to. If I want to go faster, I can. Um, I, so I, I enjoy manga. Uh, the same reason I like comics. You know, you're you're reading a comic book. You're reading, you know, Civil War. 
for a different reason than you're watching Civil War, the movie, right? They're two different. Yeah. They're two different pieces. Uh, to me, anime and manga are very tightly correlative in in what the story being told is, such to the extent that, like, for that case, I would much rather read it. Um, I just don't feel any attachment to uh, the animation, and it, I I'm the kind of person where like. I don't like everybody's like, oh, just put it on and like, just like leave it. And, like, it's like, whatever. I'm like, I, I can't do that. I I'm either super 100% into something or I'm like, not, I don't have anything that I do that I'm not fully engrossed in. Like podcasts are one of those things, but podcasts by and large are something that you could listen to while you're doing something else. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. so for me, anime, it's, it's, I get flack for it from friends cause they're all so into it. They're like, Oh, you just you just don't like it because you you need to watch good anime. And I'm like, I, I've watched a bunch. Like I've tried a bunch. <laughs> Everyone has a different qualification of what good anime is. Uh, I've tried it. I've I've really tried. Genuinely, I, I can't do it. It's not into anime. <laughs> so I I get where you're coming from because this year a goal in 2020 that I set for myself was I'm going to read the entirety of Naruto and Shippuden Naruto Shippuden. Okay. And people were like, just watch the anime. But then other people were like, well, there's a lot of filler. That's kind of bad. So I'm like, you know what? Naruto is a very popular manga or very popular medium. It's uh, it's up there with Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece were the big three yeah. in the 2000s. Yeah. To contrast the uh, DBZ, Yu Hakusho, and Slam Dunk's big three in the 90s. So I said, I'm going to read Naruto. And then if I'll maybe watch it later. Um, and then I said to myself, well, let me try to watch One Piece and I'll read it later. Mm-hmm. I'm 400 something chapters in Naruto and I couldn't get past episode like 15 or 16 of One Piece. Interesting. So I think the, I agree with you, the manga is better. But some anime I do like, like I th- uh, I guess new ones or current ones like Goblin Slayer, Dr. Stone was really good. Um, Demon Slayer was very good. The Dragon Ball Super was pretty good. And um, even Death Note. Death Note, I think, did very did a very good job. Even the, the, the dub was very well done. Death Note was, so, but was pretty good. I would say, like, of the anime and stuff that I've watched, Death Note and, and I mean, like, Dragon Ball Z, like, it's a thing we grew up on. Like, dra- like throwing Dragon Ball Z on is totally fine. Like, I will do that from time to time. But, like, that's really it. Like, uh, the, my favorite manga was Bleach. Like, I loved Bleach. Like, the concept, the setup, the lore, everything. was, was like, this is awesome. Um, and I was trying to, like, watch it. And I was just like, I'd just rather just read this again. Like, I was like, it's cool to see the music choices and to see the characters actually come to life a little bit, but it just kind of enhanced my own perceptions of how they would move and talk in by from reading. Um, so yeah, I, I just, ah, <laughs> a lot of time everybody's like, oh, you gotta watch Attack on Titan, My Hero Academia, you know, watch the, watch, uh, uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, do this, do that. I'm just like, I just tried Castlevania I loved that's considered we can consider that an anime right um on Netflix yeah yeah I, th- I think so. I loved that I think as much as you could consider 
Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, and maybe it's maybe it's because the the style choice of of anime is very episodic, and I kind of get a little bored when there's not a, like a large arc of something happening. Uh, which Castlevania very much had. It had like a there was a plot, there was an arc that was going on. It was very decisive. So for me, that was that. But yeah, Castlevania was only a couple episodes though. Yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Whereas One Piece is over a thousand. Yeah. To put that into perspective. Yeah. But that's my confession. I don't like anime. <laughs> well, appreciate it. Appreciate you talking to us hey, about absolutely. Destiny, the fighting game community. Anytime. Um, Glad to be definitely here. Definitely have you back. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And let me know, so I can let everybody else know, those Polybius documentaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. We will absolutely get those for you to throw in the links. Um, as always, check us out at Pop Culture Fed on Twitter and on Instagram at Pop underscore Culture underscore Fed. And you have a lot of places where they can find you. Uh, I do. I am Perk FGC pretty much everywhere. Um, if you want to check out Twitter, Instagram, blah blah blah, Twitch, YouTube, all that good stuff. Uh, f- but mostly, you're gonna you can find me um, doing stuff with my community, the Caffeines at Caffeines GG, uh, Twitch.tv slash Caffeines. We will, when this episode goes up, we will tweet that out as well in that description. Awesome. Thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate being here. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Take care.